Let's welcome Pastor as he comes. Amen, amen. Let's, uh, let's stand together and open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 and 14 are dealing with gifts of the Spirit and how the different gifts and manifestation of the Spirit is supposed to work in the relationship of the body of Christ. And very specifically right now, we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit and just kind of walking down through the nine that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12 and, and kind of giving some definition to them so we know what they are. And, uh, and so let's look at this one more time. 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols, however, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Spirit. Now, some people get really confused by those couple of verses and what they mean and how all that works. We went into real depth in that in the first couple of weeks of this series, and you can go online and, and listen to those if you want to really grow in that. It really explains a lot about what's going on in the Corinthian church uh, at this moment. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and all everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Who gets the manifestation of the Spirit? Each person. Everybody gets something. Different levels, different mixtures. The God knows how to perfectly put the church together. And if they use those gifts, we learn how to use those gifts. We recognize who has those gifts. We're going to talk about one tonight that it's very important that we recognize whether we have that gift or not, and we recognize others who do have this gift for our protection. For to one through the, through the, spirit, uh, 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 the spirit, the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to, the, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Father, we thank you uh, for your word to us tonight. Pray you take the men and women in this room and help us just grow in maturity of faith and understanding so that our church family will be healthier and stronger for the glory of your kingdom, in Jesus' name, amen. Gifts are abilities that God gives to the people in the church for the benefit of the church. Now, there's, there's certain gifts that benefit everyone, but when we use these, we're called to use them for the common good. We've defined the first six of those. We want to look at three more tonight. Uh, the first one is the discerning of spirits or how it's put in some, uh, some, some interpretations that to distinguish between spirits. 
So what spirits are we to distinguish between? And, and it's important for us to know this about ourselves, know whether we are good at doing this or not. When we're not good at doing it, uh, we need to make sure we know people who are good at doing it and that we trust. The first spirit you've got to be aware of is the spirit of man, our spirit. This is the most important part of who we are, our spirit. It is our spirit when we die that goes and stands before God. Uh, Stephen committed his spirit unto God. It's what goes and stands before God. It is our, it is our spirit that can know and relate to God. We sense God with our spirit. And we can know God and relate to God through the spirit of who we are. It is our spirit that really determines who we are. It's our spirit that needs to be connected to God so that we can be reborn in in relationship to him so that we will now flow in the spirit and be people of the spirit. It's in the spirit that we, it's in our spirit that we grow in the fruit of the spirit And it's in our spirit that we are the people that we are. Nice, mean, patient, impatient, selfish, selfless. Our spirit is the makeup of our lives. And it's really who we are and what we are. And we need to be aware of our own spirit. Now, I would challenge you. You need to be aware of what your sin nature tendencies are. We all have them, and if they were let loose, uh, this would be an ugly meeting tonight. But we have a new nature in Christ, and we need to see and recognize what Christ is building us into. And so the Word of God gives us clear goals of what we're going to be built into, and it all flows through our spirit. So there's the spirit of man. Then there's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves upon us to convict us. When we're lost, this gift of the Spirit moves upon our life through the preaching and teaching of the Word, and we are convicted, and we are brought to awareness of who God is by the power of the Holy Spirit. We see our condition. We recognize what Jesus has done for us and we ask him into our life to be the Lord of our life. That's how we get born again. We get born again by the power of the Spirit of God as he moves upon us and convicts us, and we either receive it or we reject it. He teaches us then. As we invite him into our life, this Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit teaches us, continues to reveal things to us, continues to lead us, continues to to guide our lives. And we need to learn to tune in to him, to listen to him, to pay attention to what he's saying, to hear his woe in our life, to hear his no in our life, to hear his go in our life, to hear his yes in our life, and to listen to that more than we listen to the desires of our spirit or the fears of our spirit. Fear will keep us from doing what God would have us to do when His Spirit would give us courage to do it. His Spirit will give us faith to do things 
that we don't understand how they're going to work, but we sense it in our spirit. We become a spirit-led people. This is how we know we're the children of God is when we are led by the, by the Spirit. And so we've got to walk through life listening, paying attention to, open to, aware that at any moment in time, the Spirit can nudge us. He's right there. And throughout our life and throughout our day, he'll whisper, it's going to be okay. Stay calm. Speak up. Go share this with that person. We need to be a people who are led by the Spirit. His fruit, the Spirit's fruit, grows in us, makes us aware of a nature that is not the nature of Christ, convicts us and moves in us. He is a gift to us, and it's through the Spirit that we connect with God. And then, friend, we've got to be aware that there are evil spirits. These are Satan's servants. You know, the truth is, uh, probably none of us have come face-to-face with Satan himself. We've come face-to-face with a lot of his servants. We've come face-to-face with a lot of his, uh, those who are under his authority. They tempt us. They are aware of our weaknesses. They try us. They discourage us. They lie to us. They mislead us. They breathe doubt into our life. They breathe skepticism about other people into our life. They want us to talk about other people or do other things. They seek to destroy our relationship with others, and they seek to destroy our relationship with God. Now, here's the deal. People can act out of their own spirit. We can act out of our own spirit, what we desire. And here's what really gets tricky. It, it may even be good things. Uh, it, it, it may be through compliments that we're speaking out of our spirit and not out of God's spirit. It may be well-intentioned. We may really be wanting to help somebody. We may really be wanting to encourage somebody. And it may be out of our spirit that we're saying what we're saying instead of out of God's spirit. So now we're encouraging them in something. We're promising them something that we have no authority or power to back up. And, and they leave and they, they feel encouraged and they feel hopeful and it all falls flat because it was our spirit and not God's spirit. It may even be manipulative, maybe for a wrong reason it can be controlling. Now here's the other thing. People can be influenced by an evil spirit. Even, we'll talk about this in a moment, even, even believers, they, they can say things that bring division they can do things that bring confusion. They can, the, the Spirit will try to use people and their own fleshly desires to do things that are misleading because the enemy's spirit is always there to do one set of things, to steal and kill and destroy. And they can appear as angels of light. That's how they like to appear. They, they like to appear in our lives as somebody who we really have confidence in and, 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 and light in. 
Now, the person who is gifted to discern between the spirits has a clearer sense than others about what spirit is active. It's just a supernatural thing. They just kind of look, oh, that's not right. Now, this is really hard when you've got somebody standing in front of somebody and they're just pouring all kinds of hope into them and all kinds of stuff into them that, that seems good and that all of you would want to go amen to. And in your spirit, you're going, I, I, I don't think that's God. I, I think they just want to say good things to them. You've got to be careful that the things coming out of our mouth are not out of our spirit. They're out of the spirit of God. Listen, think about this for a moment. Uh, when you think about Peter, you think about this great apostle. He had given up the fishing nets and went to follow Jesus. He was passionate about Jesus. He wanted the best for Jesus. He wanted the best for Jesus so much that when Jesus said, I'm going to be handed over to the enemy, I'm going to be handed over to the, these people, and they're going to kill me. He said, not so, Lord. Not so. That's not going to happen. And what did Jesus say to him? You remember? Get thee behind me, Satan. He knew that in that moment, Peter was not only speaking out of his own fleshly spirit, he was being led by an evil spirit to say things that Jesus in his flesh, we know from his prayers, wanted to hear. He wanted the cup to pass from him. And yet he wasn't supposed to hear it. So Jesus recognized the spirit that was speaking through him. This is the, the spiritual discernment of the person who can look and see well-meaning people, even well-meaning people, where the enemy is speaking through them instead of God speaking through them. So what do you think Peter's intention was? Peter's intention was well, but here's where Peter slipped up. Peter didn't know the full measure of God's plan. And because he wasn't, he, he wasn't aware of the plan that was so clearly laid out in the Old Testament that, that people had missed, because he didn't have that revelation, he spoke against the plan of God, and Jesus knew it was against the plan of God. We always have to know God's plan if we're going to really be able to see what the, what, the, what the future holds for us. The Spirit of God always leads us into the full plan of God. We need the mind of God to walk in the Spirit of God. I commend you for being here tonight. I wish everybody in the church was, was so hungry for God they showed up on Wednesday night. And I commend you for being here because, friends, if you're going to walk in the Spirit of God, You've got to have the mind of God. You've got to understand these things that we're talking about right here tonight. Evil spirits try to get to believers to put their faith in false teaching, to hear things that tickle our ears or that seem exciting, when what we really need is the Word of God. Now, this is hard because everyone does not fully have this gift. This isn't just a uh, the natural gift of wisdom that looks at circumstances and goes, wow, that didn't make any sense to go that way or that. 
That, that makes sense. Uh, to, it doesn't make any, it makes sense to go this way. No, the gift of discerning sees inside to the spirit. All the words can be right. All the words can be right, and the person with the gift of the spirit goes. I just don't sense that this is the right way for us to go. Now, truly, the enemy can stir up people to try to use that to manipulate and control the church. That's why you need to know who, who in the church is sincere. See, the, the role of the believers, we've talked, is to sincerely want the kingdom of God to advance, not my own kingdom to advance. I don't have a kingdom. I gave it up at salvation, came into God's kingdom. There's only one thing we want to do, only one thing we should be concerned about doing, that's building God's kingdom, doing the work he's called us to do. That is the purpose and the will of, uh, and the will of our lives, to live for his glory in all things. And if you get somebody in the middle of the church world and they're manipulative and trying to gain fame or strength or their own will. They can speak out of their flesh. They can be led of the enemy. They can be deceived. And all of a sudden they're speaking as if they're great spiritual insight and they don't have spiritual insight at all. And so it becomes this important thing for, of maturity, for people of maturity to understand who are the people who capture this. It's not by physical means, but by a sense and a knowledge of the Spirit of God. Sometimes, listen, sometimes God leads us to do things that in the flesh and in the understanding of natural wisdom, you go, well, that's just crazy. I mean, look, look throughout the Bible at how many times God told people to do crazy things. David, go take on that giant. Moses, Go face Pharaoh. Moses, tomorrow you're going to take out and put your staff over the water, and I'm going to do something amazing. How many times do we look in the Bible and God is telling people, you know, go do this. Go do this. Now, people try to step out in that. If you, let, let me tell you, 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 you go down to face the giant and you're in your flesh, you're in trouble. So it takes this experience, this walk, this knowledge. This is the man. This is God. This is the evil one. We know the difference. So hear me. Who you choose to trust in life will define the fruit of your life. I, I found, and I say this from time to time, I'll keep repeating I hope it gets into the DNA of who we are. Trust, when most people tell you they trust you, what they're telling you is, I agree with you so far. So far, you're making the same decisions I'm making, I would make. Real trust means I have confidence in you even when I don't understand. Even when I don't, even when I don't get it. Maybe you don't get it because you're not in the room where the decision is being made and you haven't heard all the facts. Maybe it's because you just don't have the spiritual insight for it at that moment. be a lot of reasons why you don't understand why a decision is made. But at the end of the day, the fruit of your life is going to come down 
in many, many ways as to who you cho- chose to trust in, your di- in life in the body of Christ and who you didn't. I remember uh, years ago, uh, you talk about discerning spirits. Years ago, we had a, a very famous, very well-known at that time speaker uh, come to our church. I, I, I brought him in. I, we'd never met, had to know him, uh, knew his reputation, knew, had listened to things, and he was very, very good. And uh, so we had him in for the oasis, ended up moving it into the sanctuary, in the old sanctuary, and the sanctuary was jam-packed that night, just jam-packed. And the guy gave his thing. He was really funny. He was good. A lot of people got saved. He goes, here, let me tell you the truth. Even when, when you tell the message of God, even people who are messed up, God will still bear fruit. It's an amazing thing. People still get saved. People got saved. And so the next day, I'm looking at my I'm talking to my dad, and I said to him, I said, uh, wow, that was quite a night last night. He goes, yeah, it was. So a lot of people got saved. Yeah, they did. He goes, that's great. I said, what do you think about, what do you think about last night? He goes, that guy's a big liar. I said, what? He goes, those, those things didn't happen. He's lying. They didn't take place. He's just telling a story. And I thought, wow, you know, now, I'd learned by that time in my life that when my dad says something like that, not to doubt it too much. Because nine times out of ten, guess who ended up being right? I, I remember we, I went into a church. <laughs> there was a church that had an had a explosion in it, had a real division in it. And uh, the pastor, in the middle of the division, in the middle of the separation, the pastor had died. And the Illinois district at that time asked me to come in, asked our church to come alongside of this church and asked me to come in and kind of lead them through transition, help them uh, get healthy. And, and I went in the first week, and there were a lot of things that just really kind of blew my mind in a negative way. And so uh, the next week I asked my dad to go out, and the next week I asked somebody from the district to go out, and, and, uh, and we were going to set a new course for this church to help it get healthy. And my dad came back that, that Sunday. That he, got, he went out to this church and spoke at it. And he came back that Sunday. And there was a couple that was in the church that was very prominent. They, they had a lot of power, a lot of authority. And uh, very, seemed to be very hard workers, very exuberant, excited about the church. And wanted to see good things happen, it seemed like. And my dad walked in the, the Monday. And I said, hey, how'd it go yesterday? He goes, good. I said, what, what do you think? And he named the couple. He said, you, you know them? I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, yeah, you're going to have to deal with them. And I'm like, what, what, what do you mean? He goes, they're trouble. They are, <laughs> they are trouble. And I'm like, Dad, you, you met them one time. He goes, son, I'm telling you, I've been around a lot of church people. I'm telling you, these people don't have the kingdom at heart. They have themselves at heart. And, and I said, well, what do I do? He goes, just, just bide your time watch. It'll surface. Six months later, guess who I was dealing with? I was, I was face-to-face with that couple, with their demands and the things that they wanted to have happen that were absolutely unbiblical and against what we wanted to do. And we finally had to look at them and say, uh, God bless you. We're going different directions. Some people, my, my, so, so I'm just saying, there's, there's people who get that gift. And when you hear that and you know there's somebody who has that, you just kind of pay attention to it at the moment. And, and many, many times I have found that in that moment when you get that sense, God is just giving you a warning, 
He's not telling you to do something in that instant. He's just saying, beware. This is coming. You're going to deal with this. Get ready for it. And sometimes he's telling you as a church, go a different direction. Sometimes telling people in the church, get away from those people. Get away from them. Don't be a part of that. And so it becomes important for us to discern spirits as, as deeply as he gives us the ability and to recognize people in our life who have that ability because it is not earned. It's not something you get from book knowledge. It's something you get because the Spirit of God gives some people a discernment in their spirit that sees deeper and understand and instantly senses in their spirit that's not of God. That's not of God. And sometimes they sense that is of God. Now here, here as we go on, the next one. Uh, speaking in tongues. Tongues mean languages. I think we all know that. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. He, he identifies that there's the natural tongue of men and there's the tongue of angels. This is the ability, tongues is the ability to speak in a language you've never learned. You've never learned it. It's totally supernatural. It may be an earth language. It may be. On the day of Pentecost, they heard them in their own language. It may be an earth language. And it may be a heavenly language. Uh, what people get when they are baptized in the Spirit and can pray and worship in the Spirit is generally the heavenly language. That's generally what they're, they're getting in that moment. And that's what Paul wants all of us to have. Why? When you pray and worship as you are led by the Spirit, it's perfect prayer, it's perfect worship. Now, I have to always be careful when I say this. When we talk, we talk you know, generally from our mind, from our thinking, from our understanding. And we say things as, as the consciousness of thought is given to us and it naturally flows into the language. There's a connection between our brain and our tongue that we've learned and it, it flows out and sometimes it flows out so, so fast we stop thinking and we've got to reel it back in. We need to keep thinking. Are you with me? But it comes from the mind. When you pray and worship from the Spirit, it flows from the spirit, from the inner man. It flows from inside of us with that connection of God. And we have to learn in the same way, in the same way where I can think words and not say them. I can sit here and say, boy, I, I could think. I love my wife. She's so beautiful. I just love her so much. She's so good. But unless I go to her and say it, it's just in my head. It's just in my head. In the same way, I can, I can have this spirit rumbling in my spirit. I've got to learn to let it be released for me to pray and to sing in the spirit in this heavenly language. And, and the reason we want this, the reason God gives us this, one of the reasons is it's, it's perfect prayer. Now, now, 
we don't know many times what we are saying and what we are praying, but the Spirit of God is flowing through us to pray perfectly through us for the situation. And in the midst of Him flowing through us as we pray, He's building us and strengthening us. So this comes to the second point of this. You are strengthened when you pray in the Spirit. We'll talk about this more in the weeks ahead. But in 1 Corinthians 14, it's just so very clear that as we pray in the Spirit, that we are edified, that we are strengthened. You, you can pray in the Spirit anytime, anywhere, and in any set of circumstances. You don't have to wait to get built up at church. You don't have to wait for some emotional thing to happen. Once you're walking in this gift, you can, you can, be, I, you can begin to pray in the Spirit anytime, anywhere. I've been in churches, I'll just confess, I've been in churches that don't believe in this gift. And I found myself in them, and, 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 but they really love God and they're really worshiping God. They just don't believe in this gift. And I found myself wanting to sing in the Spirit. I had to go, oh, I, I, I don't want to offend anybody, Lord. So I would just pr- pray in the Spirit. Because it's all subject to us. It's subject to us. You can pray in the Spirit silently or you can pray out loud. Now, I would tell you, God, there's right times for you to do both. Many times in my life, I found myself burdened by something uh, or a place where I've reached the end of my knowledge and my ability in the natural to pray for something any more than what I prayed for. I've, I've, I've prayed all the prayers I know to pray. I, I've prayed through my emotional strength times when I feel completely overwhelmed, feeling totally defeated, and suddenly the Spirit begins to well up inside of us. And we pray, and we worship, and it's the Spirit praying through us, us connecting with the Spirit of God. And in the middle of that, I want to tell you, my spirit gets fed. It's not long until faith begins to flow. It's not long until calmness begins to rule. It's not long until assurance races into my hurt and my doubt, and suddenly I'm no longer fearful and no longer overwhelmed, and I'm lifted up and edified in that moment, and I'm walking in the Spirit. And guess what? It doesn't mean in that moment anything has changed except me. I may know, I know the promise of God is things are going to change. I don't know when, but now I am assured of it because the Spirit of God flows through it. I don't know why any person doesn't want that. I don't know why anybody wouldn't want that. It's the Spirit of God, us being in relationship with Him, in communion with Him, where He fills us and you walk out with a new mindset and a new heart set because of the power of the Spirit of God. This is a great gift that all can have. And I, like Paul, would encourage you, if you don't have it, to seek it, to open your heart up to it. Now, let let me calm your troubled mind. If maybe you come from a background where this gift is dismissed or denied, uh, one, I, I hope I've shown you just a little bit about why it's gold in your life. It's riches in your life if you get it. Uh, but let me ask you this. When you get to heaven, do you have loved ones you want to talk to? 
How many of you have loved ones in heaven you want to talk to sometime? Okay, that, that, that should be pretty easy for us, shouldn't it? How about some of the saints of the past? How many of you have saints from the past you'd like to talk to when you get to heaven? Maybe David or Timothy or Paul, and you'd just love to, you know, sometime in eternity to have 15 or 20 minutes with them and, and just, or, or, or how, you got longer in mind? <laughs> Terry has longer in mind. How are you going to talk to them? You know, what language are you going to talk to them? Which one are you going to talk to them in? Do you think God is going to, as he divided the languages, he's going to unify languages? And if he can do that when we get to heaven, why can't he do that right now? What would make us think God is limited anyway to give us a language that breaks through the heavenlies, that allows us to pray in his spirit, that allows us to flow in him, and we can now pray in a heavenly language? Uh, I heard, uh, was with Jack Hayford once, and he was telling us about uh, how he got, got on this airplane, and he's sitting on this airplane and a businessman came in and sat down, business-looking man sat down and right next to him. And uh, the plane takes off, and the Spirit of God says to him, uh, speak in tongues to this man. How would you like that? <laughs> and Hayford just sat there and he went, I am not going to do that. <laughs> uh, and, and so now he, he's, he said, I'm in this argument for the next half hour, 45 minutes with God, with God telling me, speak in tongues to him. And he said, well, I'll talk to him. So he starts talking to this guy. Food comes. Come to find out the guy's a professor at a major university that studies uh, Indian, um, Indian history. And uh, his doctorate was in a very uh, secluded Indian group and he was really studying their language and at that moment the spirit said to him again talk to him in the spirit and he said so just to kind of cover my tracks I looked at him and said okay I'm going to say something to you and you tell me if you've ever heard anything like this before <laughs> and he said I started praying in the spirit to this guy talking in the spirit to this guy and the guy's jaw drops open. And he looks at me and says, where did you learn that? And he goes, well, it's kind of hard to explain. Um, he goes, no, 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 I know, I've got to know where you learned. That's the language I'm studying, and you just told me that you know the way to God, and I should listen to you. He said he ended up giving this man a Bible and communicating with this man until this man came to Christ. Now, you, you hear stories like this. A story like that, would it scare you half to death if God put you in the middle of it? I'm telling you, it would scare me half to death if God put me in the middle of it until, it, I, until faith came that you, you did it. But these things aren't dead. They're not, for, they're not just for us to go be able to buy a hamburger are you with me? They're not just for us to get around town. 
They're for God to glorify himself. They're for God to honor himself. They're for God to reveal himself to people who otherwise wouldn't believe. They're for the glory and the honor of God to bring revelation. Now, most of our prayer and worship, and when we talk about this, we talk about uh, the language of God. The next gift is this interpretation of tongues. And most of our prayer and worship will not be interpreted. It's not a translation, it's interpretation. It's a revelation of what's true. However, in services where there are unbelievers and where God, or where God has a specific word for the church, someone may speak in another language. It may be a heavenly language. It may be an earthly language. But it is always to be interpreted. Always. Which, which means that it's got to be stated in a way that people can understand. I've heard many testimonies of it being in the language of somebody, someone that was there. Uh, and and th- one of my favorite stories happened at Evangel University when Renee was a student there. And uh, our, the, the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God had built a relationship, Thomas Zimmerman, had built a relationship with Billy Graham. And if you know Billy Graham's background, a real strong Baptist background, and if you go back 50 years, there was a real discomfort between the Baptists and the Pentecostals and uh, a, a lot of doubt. And, but they'd built this friendship. And he invited Billy Graham to come and speak at the first joint convocation of Evangel University, Central Bible College, and uh, the Assemblies of God Graduate School. And, and, and Billy Graham came. And they had a great service that day. And uh, Billy Graham got up, and there was a time limit on things, and, and Billy Graham spoke. And as he got to the end of his message, he said, uh, you know, he said, I wrote this message specifically for here, he goes, but we've run out of time today. I, I've only, I only shared one of the three points that I, I need to share today. And maybe I'll come back sometime and share the other two. Once the place goes crazy and they want him to come back, you know. And uh, he goes and sits down. Some worship starts. And a young guy down the main floor jumps up and gives a message. Now, you're sitting in the room with Billy Graham the Baptist, that you don't want to dishonor your guest. And uh, Zimmerman's sitting next to him. And then a guy in the balcony jumps up and shares a word. And Billy Graham looks at Thomas Zimmerman and says, I want to talk to the two of them. And Zimmerman, you you understand our our theology, you understand, you, you know all about us. He's trying to you know, he goes, no, 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 I want to talk, please. I, I'm not going to, I just want to talk to them. And so Reverend Zimmerman asked the two young men to come up when it was over. And Billy Graham asked him, how did you know what to say? And they both explained, we just sensed the Spirit of God move in us. And, uh, and, and the one who, one of, my, one of my, I'm told, began to say, Pastor, we didn't mean to offend you. He goes, no, no, you didn't, you didn't offend me. He goes, I just, 
I just need to know because, see, here's what you don't understand. I wrote this message for here. I only got one point through. You finished the last two. And he said, I've got to go study this more. I've got to go study this more. You know, that's just goosebump kind of stuff, isn't it? That's just God being God and being awesome and, and being who, who he is. Now, any word, here, here's the thing, any word is to be judged. I've heard many words in my lifetime, and, and I love the great stories of powerful ones and, and wonderful ones, but I will tell you, most of them at best have been a sincere person praying in the Spirit and thinking it was a message for the church. Uh, I always ask one question when I, when I, that I feel is an important question when somebody gives a message. Why would God say that at this moment? What, what is the purpose of that word of God interrupting the service or doing whatever is happening? What is the purpose of God in that moment? Now, I, I've been places where, you know, somebody gets up and gives a message and says, we should all bow before God or we should all lift our hands before God. And, we should all, and then they just kind of go on with the service like God didn't say. Well, if God said we should all bow for him before him, we should all come get on our knees and bow before him. If that was really God, if God really said, if all my people will bow before him, I will fall upon them and heal people, then guess what? We better all go come down and get on our knees if we believe that's God, shouldn't we? You don't ignore God unless you don't believe it's God. So always ask, what is it for? Now, to, to learn how to do this is simple because, see, the Spirit is subject to the prophet. You are, it doesn't overcome us, and we can't control it. It's not something that we cannot contain or sustain. The Spirit is subject to the prophet. So it's not a momentary thing. In fact, when the Bible talks about this, we'll see this in the next few weeks, it says they come with a word. They, they've already got it. They're coming with it. And, and they, they come and they share it. So for us to say, well, hey, the easy way for us to, to learn that is, uh, is for somebody who's feeling that and is doing it to be able to walk up to, to the pastor or one of the elders and say, you know, I think I got a word. I think I have a word. And then you share that word and the, the elders or the, the pastor goes, hey, I think you got a word. Let's go share it. Let's let the church judge it. Or brother, I, you know, I don't think that's the word for the day. But that's, how, that, that's, that's the easy, simple way to begin to learn to say, yeah, I, I, I think I've got this gift. I believe there are times when the church needs to hear a word from the throne of God. The church needs it. It needs encouraged. It needs strengthened. And God, if we'll allow him, can move upon gifted people. And in the right moment, a word can come that if that church is hungry, their ears are open, they're willing to listen to God, that they become ignited in what God would have them to do. And it can be a, it can be a, 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 a church history-changing moment. 
I believe that there are times when an unbeliever needs the confirmation from the throne of God. When somebody is there and, and the only thing that's going to, and God just draws a picture and reveals something to that person in the middle of it. And we'll, we'll see this as we get into 1 Corinthians 14, where it just shakes them and they go, I know God was in this place. I know God was in this place. And I believe that there are times when somebody in the church who's in rebellion, and maybe nobody knows it. I've seen this happen in our church, and nobody knows it. And God from heaven speaks to it. I've told this story a couple times. I'll, I'll share it and we'll close. <clears throat> there was a, years ago, and both these, one of the people involved has gone home to be with the Lord, and the other one lives a long, long way away. <clears throat> but the gal was, uh, <clears throat> she was having an affair on her husband. The husband had just recently found out about it. Uh, husband was a friend of mine had told me and my dad. And it was a relationship in a state office building. That's where it started. And she had justified every bit of it. You know, she, the enemy will do that to you. The enemy will get you to justify sin. He'll make you think you're okay to sin. And we're sitting on the platform. We had a guest speaker in. He's really a spiritual man. Now, nobody knows this except them and us. And this guy gets about three-quarters of the way through his message, and he, he stops. And he goes, I have a word for something. You think nobody knows, but God knows. You think you're okay, but you're not Okay. That guy in your office that you're running around with right now, God knows his name and God knows your name. And I mean, he draws the picture to the point that my dad had to go to her later and say, we didn't tell him. <laughs> Nobody told him. That was God telling you. Because sometimes God loves us so much that in the middle of our rebellion, he speaks clearly to us. And we need to be able to have the confidence in the Spirit to let the Spirit lead us. These are powerful. You see how powerful? If all the gifts of the Spirit were flowing and people were mature in them and we understood them and they were rightly submitted, and how powerful that becomes in the Spirit. Now, I will tell you, I'll tell you this. I don't think you wait till you get to church. I think you begin to pray for God, give me the gifts of the Spirit you want me to have. And he gives them. Here's the next part of this verse. He gives them as he wills. They're his to give. And he gives them as he wills. And then we're responsible to walk in them. All right, let's stand together and let's pray. Father, I hope these words have been helpful tonight and strengthening tonight. And Lord, we, as I think about Calvary Church, uh, we don't want to just be an organization. We want to be the living body of Christ on this earth. 
Uh, Father, we want your gifts that build us and strengthen us to be alive in us. Uh, we want your supernatural gifts to take place among us. We want your light to shine brightly from this place, ever brighter every day. We pray that this Sunday a multitude of people will get saved. We pray that this Sunday people will be set free from addictions. We pray that this Sunday people will be set free from emotional burdens and bondage. We pray that this Sunday marriages will be healed. We pray that pride will fall off of us and we'll walk in the humility of who we are before you. And we pray that, Father, revelation will come into our minds and our hearts and our eyes will be open to the truth. We pray for your miracle working power. And we pray that you'd allow us to grow and flow in the gifts of your spirit, we pray. Help every person in this room in the days and weeks ahead to become fully aware of the gifts that you have given to them. And let that be confirmed by other believers. And we'll praise you for it. We'll thank you for it. Your son will get all the glory for it because we'll know it's not from us. We'll know it's your gifting. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you tonight. Go in the name of the Lord and may his joy be in your heart.